Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and Nathan Doyle from thebigkickoff.com. Now, last week we had an amazing week in Europe for the Irish teams. Can all Irish teams make it through? Can they even make it through to the group stage as well? We're going to find that out. But Nathan, it really does show how far League of Ireland football has come with the performances. It's not just the results, but the performances that the teams are putting in. Yeah, it was absolutely great to watch, wasn't it? Like for me, uh, like I wouldn't be a, a vintage League of Ireland fan in, in, in terms of you know lifespan. I've been going down since the early 2000s, which yeah, not, not enough time, but. Yeah, I, I can't remember uh, that good of a week for European, uh, Irish teams in Europe. When you take all the teams into consideration, you know, we've seen big nights for certain teams, but to see all three teams involved coming up with great results, uh, particularly Bohemians and Dundalk, which we could into, you know, uh, they were highly tipped to not even get much air with these players. But yeah, brilliant for them to see. Like I said, it was the performances were excellent. Even if you do look at Dundalk side, that it, you were dominated for pretty much the majority of the fourth half, but still held out and they were unlucky in the end. But yeah, brilliant to see. But for me, it was Bohemians would have won the stood out for me. I'm not sure how you feel, but I think looking at the three games, I didn't get bowls in absolute hope in hell again through uh, PAOK. I thought the opposition was far too strong. You look at the PAOK squad, as the multi-million squad full of is 10 international players. It's Even to think for them to get knocked out by a Bohemian side at this stage in this competition, that would be an absolute disaster for them. So, absolutely excellent result for Bohemians, really, uh, during the week. Yeah, great game, great performance. One thing it showed is what League of Ireland teams, the quality of player that they have now. And Pauk now will go back and they'll be thinking, they may not have thought about it before, but they'll be thinking, these have quality. That, that You know, Ross Tierney, you know, Dawson Devoy. These are quality players. We they're going to have to formulate plans now around these players because, in all honesty, they destroyed Pauk on the counter attack at times and uh, were the far better team overall. There was no doubt about it at all. Yeah, like that's what for people that didn't see the game. Like it wasn't a smash and grab by any stretch of imagination, wasn't it? The Bohemians went two and look with it with two very well taken Ali two goals. Um, so yeah, it really, really wasn't and. I even remember saying when Bohemians and Sligo got drawn against the two Icelandic sides earlier on in the competition, and even saying to you that uh, a couple of years ago you would have looked at them Iceland draws and thought, ah, you know, they're handy enough, the Icelandic teams, you know, you expected to get through. But that's not the case anymore. And I think that's the case now for the Ireland teams too. A couple of years ago, you look at Pauk, you look at uh, Vitesse, they would have looked at getting Bohemians and Dundalk respectively. And they wouldn't have publicly said it, but they would have quietly thought to themselves, oh, you know, that could have been worse that far, and it would have played out that way. Where now we're seeing teams in with the winning games, upon up the teams, the drawing games, where they definitely would have lost it even probably five years ago. But it really is excellent. See, now look, you could say earlier in the competition, the draw was kind to the Irish teams, which does help as well, but then Dark was the too coming in, so that, that was excellent to have as well. It's one team that I know even actually you wrote a very good article about it on the big kickoff if anybody wants to go and check that out um, just with the lack of coverage in our own country uh, surrounding these games which I think that's the only real one dampener surrounding uh, the games and the results and the atmosphere at these games because to witness them uh, has, has been excellent I know I brought up the discussion that maybe it's a hint of the fans have been gone for so long so seeing these amazing atmospheres especially in the Ziva Stadium it does have a part to play in that but yeah, it's a really, really cool and shame that RT haven't picked up any of these games and, and we won't do going forward. I understand with the Olympics on, the overs on, but that shouldn't matter really. You know, these are massive, massive occasions uh, when it comes to the Irish football and calendar. And for only a select few fans to, uh, to be in attendance in the ground to watch it and those willing to pay uh, for the streaming rights, yeah, that, that is the only one uh, probably begrudging that you have around all these games, isn't it? It is because it's very hard to get new blood into the league, new supporters, get other people hooked if they're not flicking through our national station, RTE or Virgin Media, flicking through. Oh, there's a match. Oh, sure, I might watch this match. Oh, look at this. This is a, this is a great, great, great game. And you have to go and purposely go out of your way to purchase these games. And 
you know, you just don't get new blood that way. So it's a it's a real disappointment that, you know, your national station doesn't have anything to do with the league. And listen, it, it's not nothing new, but it just gets more and more frustrating the better these teams do. And of course, if we reach the, reach the dizzy heights of getting into Europa Conference League group stages and, and Europa League group stages... They, they'll be all over it because they this is advertisement revenue that they'll be able to get a few quid out of it. But, you know, they don't do any backing of it. And it's it's really, it's it's disappointing. And every little bit of flack that they've got over the last couple of weeks, the last week, has been well-deserved. So, um, yeah, no, disappointing from, from RTE, especially because, as you said, we're paying money from licence fees uh, so that they can, you know, show under-20s rugby, which... It's not that it, you don't want rugby on. It's just that you know, you know, biggest sport in uh, participated sport in the country is uh, football, and it's getting no coverage at all whatsoever. Unless you're the Republic of Ireland, of course. Yeah. So Bowes sixty five percent possession uh, poke, but Bowes with the possession that they had did more with it. They were more threatening. They, they deserved uh, to get the, the couple of goals they did. Um, Pauk knocked the ball around from side to side at times in their own half, a lot of possession. There really wasn't that in, uh, about them. They did step it up in the second half, there's no doubt about that. Uh, there's only one thing that I would say that kind of frustrated me, and I don't know if you thought similar, but I thought that Keith Long, his substitutions took a long, long time and he could see the team were tiring and I just thought, you know, here, sixty. I remember 65 minutes looking at it, 64 minutes I think it was, just, just bring on two players. Just bring them on. They, they'll do a good job for you. You know, I know he probably trusted in those players, but we've seen that in, in you know, Manchester United in the UEFA Europa League where he didn't make any changes and it cost him. I just thought he needed to make those changes a little, a little bit earlier just to make sure that there was fresh legs out there that could do the running that they were doing. Um, and I think that might have, you know, cost him a little bit, but... Overall, they were they were absolutely brilliant. Uh, Dundalk, Nathan, away from home to get it to be one nil down to get a two two draw. Patrick McElhenney, this is it, it. Just seems mad to me for a goal. The second goal that he scored was uh, a worldie. It, you know, Patrick McElhenney's yeah. not a world class player, but he's good enough to be able to do, have world-class moments. And that was a world-class moment. That There was a goal out, you know, out of nothing, really, from inside his own half and then turning and a little dink over the keeper. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he's going to Derry City next year. It, it's, it's, it's really strange, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, it's, we sort of get to win these goals every year, don't we? Coming out of the League of Ireland, that seems to, I hate to play in the world viral, but it does take off and the goal is viral. Like we've seen the Jordan Flores goal last year against Shamrock Rovers, absolute out of this world. And if, if we had a big marquee, Lilo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Mbappe scoring these goals, you know, they'd be on VT and Sky Sports News and the like over and over again. So to see the coverage that I got was brilliant and it's great to see. And it was a well taken goal, but it's, uh, yeah, it certainly is a, is a strange one where. We've talked about obviously Patrick McLean and his move to Derry City and how I never ever gonna uh, knock the man's talent McLean on his day, absolutely extremely talented player. But you know, you look the injury record has to come with a tail when you look at a player like McLean. He, he's been out so often and it's it's hindered his career a little bit now where he's getting into these uh, into his prime of his career into these late twenties. Where yes, the talent is, is definitely there, but it's yeah, for me, I, I can I can sort of see why Dundalk are willing to let him go when you look at the injury record and you look at the fact they want to uh, trim down their wage bill. But yeah, look, going back to just, just the goal, I, I thought that was, it sort of showed off the best moments of Dundalk in that game because like you were saying about Bohemians against uh, Pauk on the counter-attack, they're brilliant. Um, a lot of the moments came from that, you know, and it really was the McElhaney show for Dundalk. You know, he's the one that scored the two goals. We mentioned the cracking goal. Hit the crossbar as well, which uh, I actually forgot about even uh, uh, looking back at the game so the, the first thing I thought of was the second goal that he scored and how good it was and the tone on the defender and the chip of the keeper absolutely beautiful but yeah it really was and then, as well I never ever said this actually Roy and this is going to be the first ever time on record that I'm going to say the same part where I never said it but with BD between the six 
it was his best game though uh, in the Dundalk show for me. It's someone that I was so critical about, and rightly so. Some of the mistakes he's made, it's not that horrendous throughout the season. But in fairness to Abidi, throughout this European run, you saw coming into the stride a little bit, it's been, you know, the, 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 the mistakes have, have sort of gone with the wayside. I'm sure now Dundalk fans will point out a mistake that, that he made um, recent enough. But it's, even at the European games, you know, he has been solid in goal and that, yeah, it was definitely his best performance. He'll probably actually show where uh, Sonny Nat said uh, into that category as well. The two of them were, were really, really good on the day against a uh, very game uh, the Tessie side. So, yeah, I, I think it's natural for them to come out of this one, you know, with the manner of conceding the late goal, they were two enough, um, going in with two all now. But, you know, you, you look at it, I think it's, it's safe to say it was a dominant performance for Batesi. Uh, it was a very uh, draining game for Dundalk. You know, they were completely battered in the fourth half. So, if they look at that, I think that sort of counteracted the disappointment of the late goal and it really could have sworn uh, the other way, especially with that fourth half performance. Dundalk had their backs really against the wall. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's also a shame that the, the away goal rule, isn't it? I know we, me and you are both very critical of the away goal rule in the past, but when you see <laughs> Dundalk so go away and score two goals, yeah, it's disappointing for them on that level. But, yeah, if I was a Dundalk fan, I actually wouldn't be that disappointed about conceding that late goal, as difficult as that may be. No, uh, I agree with you there. It was funny to see, though, Nathan, that both Bowles and Dundalk went to lose their games at the weekend. And this is what the, you know, Shamrock Rovers went and won, but this is the effect of European football. It does, as you said there, drain, drain you and take your eye off the ball a little bit in the league, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, my own side, Pascal, great win against Dundalk. And it's a game that, I don't know, even at the start of the year when Dundalk are going through that bit of a difficult patch, even when Pascal pain them, you'd always take a draw in Oriel Park, a difficult place to go, you know, um, for a, a different number of reasons. You could look out at the pitch, even the Dundalk squad is still extremely talented, you know, but yeah, Dundalk looked like a really, really tired side um, against St. Pat's in that 4-1 defeat. Yeah, look at the Pats were very good in the night and really uh, Melvin Lambert, uh, Matty Smith was absolutely excellent on the night. So there were some, some top performances in the past point of view. But yeah, it, it was a definitely a, a tired looking from dark side. And I think that's it's when, in terms of maintaining the squad and oh, decisions that have to be made, the rotation of players, yeah, it's a different imbalance with the strike up. Even when you're looking at the top Premier League teams and just so when you have uh, League of Ireland sides that. Uh, you know, some of them are part-time, look at the budget, the players at their disposal. Yeah, that's going to be the balance that they're going to find difficult to, to, to find. The, if, and hopefully, hopefully it's an if, uh, when you do progress forward into, this, into the European competition. Because it will be a difficult one, because you don't want to let your, your, your league form uh, drop. You cannot be putting a damper on that Dundalk performance. Uh, and it was excellent, you know, to come up and get a, a, a two-wall draw away from home in Europe. And... In a way, it might be strange to say this. I don't know if you agree or not, but there still is going to be pressure on the dark to, to get through the, this round, even though we came in as underdogs. Like, you look at the league positions. I know we said at the FBI Cup, but even look at, looking at the league positions, European football is far from guaranteed next season. So, you know, that, and, and that's, that's the goal of the dark, is to, is to make European football a consistent team. So, there is going to be that slight pressure on them to get through this round and, and, and to maintain the European football status because looking at the league table, it's not going to happen this season. But it's great to see that the teams are competitive in this sort of at this level because when you look at Vitesse, Vitesse again, it's a bit like Pauk. You know, these teams are leagues ahead a few years ago. It's a different story now. So this our league is growing and it's and it's getting, you know, a lot of fresh young players coming in who are doing the right things, who are being coached and uh, managed in a better way than ever before. So it's, it's, it's really positive. And you may look at Shamrock Rovers and Amaku who came on and and scores, seals the winner. 17-year-old, isn't he? He's 17. And yeah. Tuita Durez. Tuita Durez. Yeah. <laughs> they came... Yeah, it's not a strongest point, this, isn't it? It's not a strongest point. <laughs> <laughs> They came and just sat back the whole game. They just sat yeah. back. They were happy to take a nil-nil draw and go away with that. And you've you never seen that with, with Irish teams before. So this shows you how much progression is in the League of Ireland. I've seen it with Irish teams before, but we're the ones normally sitting back. <laughs> yeah, it was strange to yeah. see, wasn't it? Just, uh, just deep into a European competition. Um, and 
it's, it was certainly even going into it, it was a, definitely a favourable toy. And if you're looking at the treat, that's a treat in my bowls and Dr. Shamrock Rovers, and even how far it can go uh, into this competition, Shamrock Rovers, I do have the, favor, the more favourable paths uh, into the group stages. So I don't know. There was, there was definitely, uh, even when the goal went in, and, and it was great for the young lad to get his goal, you know, with uh, well taken, good positional awareness for him uh, to knock it in. But there was definitely more of a sense of relief, really, than actually adulation and, and, and a sense of joy because really this, it, it could have been anything. This could have been and should have been comfortable Shamrock Rovers win and, and he really should be going into the um, into the away leg now on Thursday night with this toy probably done and dusted. So there's going to be that little bit more out of pressure that's not quite put to bed. But yeah, I, I think if the, the Albania side said that the way they did, you'd have to fancy any Shamrock Rovers. You do have to fancy them to come over. Uh, some of the performances when the night were brilliant. Uh, Gary O'Neill again, Ricky Carroll, we stood out again on the European night. So yeah, well, it was great to see him getting the last gas winner and uh, again getting the last gas winner against Longford, who they've done that twice now in the, in the league. You have to feel bad for Longford. Yeah, it's, stage, it's a yeah, good habit to get into. Yeah, oh, it is, you know, like uh, we, we even said it earlier on in the season when we're getting some of the late goals and probably even against the like, Longford and Derry City that um, these are the goals that win titles. Even though it was only early in the season, they, they, that's the bit of luck you need. You need that bit of luck. You need that little bit of air. Uh, I don't know, are we going to coin the team Bradley coin now? It's fairly coming out the window. Bradley coin going to become a team up in Palace Stadium. I don't. I can't see that taking off, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, you need that bit of luck. But as good as it is to get that late, for the young lad to get the late goal um, on a big European night, making the maybe his fourth senior appearance. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure I've seen that being thought around. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a game that he should have been winning more than one year because he had plenty of chances, uh, plenty of shots on target, and he really did dominate possession. Now, Stephen Bradley may have Bradley time, but MK Dons may have Bradley time very soon. There's talk of the English side looking to get Bradley services. Um, from what I've heard, uh, Stephen Bradley's a very focused and determined manager and it's a challenge that he would like. So this could be a season where Shamrock Rovers actually lose a manager and not only that, uh, one of their better players in Liam Scales. And that just shows you how well they're doing too. Yeah, it really is. Um, probably look starting off with the Stephen Bradley one. I, I was surprised. Not surprised that the, the calibre of manager, like, in fairness to Bradley, he's done an excellent job at Shamrock Rovers and Someone that, if you think when he, when he first went in, up, uh, into that hot seat, you know, it was major pressure from the world goal and he really buckled under that pressure early on into his tenure. So to see what he's done now to transform the squad and the recruitment that he's made, um, there's a, a really, really uh, emerging uh, underage system open Shamrock Rovers. Now a lot of money has been pumped into it, but you can start to see it now. With, with, with the, uh, some of the young lads making their, their senior debuts in European football and league football, so uh, it's great to see. And straight away, you know, you, you think, oh, well, you'd imagine Stephen Bradley, he's going to stay and see out the season. But like you were saying, and I've heard the same thing, people up here you know him, say that he's quite an ambitious guy and he's going to want to make a move over to England sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, he's only, only a young manager, I think he's going to be 46. So there's definitely time on his side. But if he can, it's a great thing for him to look the point at, isn't it, to what he's done at Shamrock Rovers. Uh, the way he went in under pressure straight away and he just completely turned him around and now has him as a, a, a League of Ireland champion to fight with Pat Hogan will tell you you know the, um, and not only that did he look set on course to, uh, to go on and, and win the league again this season they're, they're really starting to come into their own in the past couple of weeks so yeah I was very surprised to see his name linked with uh, with the NK job uh, the NK dance uh, job but our chance for him to go over and, and, and to manage in the in, in English League 1 It'd be difficult. You can see why it'd be difficult for him to turn, turn it down. We say it a few times, don't we, when we see these managerial jobs come up. And it was the one question that I thought myself straight away again is, right, Stephen Bradley does go. Who replaces him? Because that, that, that's a mammoth task, isn't it, to go in and replace Stephen Bradley. And any time we go to Shamrock Rovers, there's going to be pressure on their shoulders. But this is Shamrock Rovers, sorry, that are, that are back to the best. Back to uh, winning leagues, back to being competitive and being in cup finals. So, yeah, if, if Stephen Bradley hypothetically was to leave, whoever has got going in after him is going to be an absolute mammoth half and has some really, really big shoes to do. 
Yeah, I couldn't see anyone outside coming in, Nathan. I could see that being an in-house thing. They're after building up, you know, they have their way of playing, they have their, their way of doing things up there. I could see uh, someone making a step up, uh, whether it's assistant manager or one of the coaches or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, like like like, like an, Aiden, an Aiden Price or something. You know, he's highly regarded. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It could, could be could be anyone. You know, I just think that they they have a close knit group there now, and they're all they all believe in the, in the project, and that's what it is. It's a project, and if he yeah. leaves, I can yeah, I can just see someone else in there stepping up and and just continuing on that. You know, to give it that kind of. It's the seal of assurance to to the players that are there that nothing else is going to change and it's just as was, you know. So, uh, yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, what about Liam Scales? Do you think there's obviously word of Celtic looking to get him, but now there's also word of uh, a couple of Premier League clubs and a couple of yeah. clubs are in the, the lower leagues in England looking at him. Doesn't look like he's going to stick around, does it? No, he even, he even came out and sort of teased it a bit, didn't he? Um after the most the most recent game, uh, I think it was against a lot of them. Oh, sorry, I think it was after the European game. He started through a little little quote out, you know, uh, anything that happened. Um, so yeah, he, he does seem set to go. But look, you can't blame the lads. And it's funny actually when he's talking about this, weren't we? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Graham Cummins article on Irish Examiner. Graham obviously reckons that he's, he's the the you know the, the hot property in the league of Ireland, and we sort of debated whether he was and whether he wasn't. But for me, I think the Celtic move. Uh, is the one that makes sense you know this is Celtic still, still a, big, a team with a big connotations and big name and big Euro, European aspirations as bad as they've been going over the past couple of years but you, you look at the Celtic squad you look at the Celtic team it's the worst Celtic team in, 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 in definitely in the last decade and it's really it's the it's time of transition for them and it's a time of clear route and it's a very unknown time in a way as well isn't it you know they've the, he won the, the, the nine league titles in a row, so much dominance, and now uh, Rangers have seemingly back to their best. And the Celtic team, the Celtic club, even in the background, that seems to be on, on the decline. But and you're always going to get people, you know, and I've seen it, and I've seen it on Celtic fan forums, or uh, Liam Scales coming up from Ireland. Like, he, he can settle into the under 23 and see how he gets on. Realistically, there's no reason why, why Liam Scales couldn't be fighting for a place in that fourth team. Celtic are desperate for a centre half on a left back. They're looking at a player in Liam Scales that he can play in two of them positions. So he can play in two of them positions really, really well. I always hadn't preferred him as a centre-half. But looking at last season and this season, he's developing into a, into a brilliant uh, win-back. The way he can get forward, he, he, he's calmness in the ball, he, his pace is absolutely brilliant. But he still has that defensive positional awareness. You're never going to see him getting caught in too much. So for me, I don't know how you feel, but I, I, I'm definitely looking at the Celtic now. I, I don't see uh, any reason why he should be going over and settling with a place in the under 23 because he's definitely more than capable. He's definitely good enough. And again, this this is a, a an upside up for you, you look at. No, we, we always had young lads, teenagers going over uh, to the academies and, and they, just, they never settle, they come home for one reason or another. But, Liam Scales now, you know, when he's in the 20s, he has plenty of games under himself uh, with, as he used to be and now Shamrock Rovers. And especially with Shamrock Rovers, played in big games with European nights, big cup finals, has that experience under himself. He's now more set up to go away and, and to make these big moves. And yeah, I'd love to see him go to Celtic because it's, it's the one that makes more sense to me. As glamorous as a Premier League club would be, it probably it might just be a little bit off that standard of being realistic. But yeah, Celtic is the one for me. And especially look at the figure. It, I could be misquoting here, but I think it's something around uh, six hundred thousand being looked at, and that, that's absolutely fantastic. Even Shamrock Rovers, as bad as losing the game scales is, and know it's a great compensation. But yeah, look, jump in. What, what do you reckon? I, I think the Celtic move is uh, a cracking one, and it could be realistic to see Liam Scales get some regular FPL football. Yeah, I agree. I think that Celtic at the moment are not at their best. I think they're looking for players. They're looking for nearly a whole full back line at the moment. They definitely centre-half, definitely a left full. They're even saying, I think it's Ralston, I think is his name. He's the third choice right full. So across the back line, I think they've probably only got one player they're kind of happy with. I think he would settle in um, because I think the experience with uh, professional Shamrock Rovers ha- would have him in the mindset. I think the 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 way they, they train, the way they look after their players, 
um, I think that would benefit him. So yeah, I, 100% I, I agree. And I think the Scottish League would be the next natural step. And if you look at the likes of Van Hoydonk, Larson, whoever it is, these th- these players are coming from unknown areas and it's the next step up. They're not jumping straight into the Premier League. They're going on to the next step. And I think Scotland would be a good move for him with Celtic. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I hope he goes there. I think he'll get game time. I think he'll play. He's good enough to play. Um, he's good enough to start and uh, make an impact there. So, um, yeah, and it'd be great to see, wouldn't it? It'd be great to see it. You'd have a great interest in Celtic and, and what they were doing each week if there's uh, someone there uh, like Liam Scale. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed and I hope they get as much money as possible that they can get for them. Now, another article, according to Paul Lennon from the Irish Daily Star, Dundalk Sporting Director Jim McJilton is set to depart the club despite signing a four-year deal only at start of 2021. According to Lennon, the reasoning is because of deterioration in relationship between himself and Vinnie Perth. What do we think of this one, Nathan? I think Jim is a very selfish man. I've only got used to saying his name correctly, so cheek of him. <laughs> even, has he not even considered Nathan Doyle as a big kick-off making? Obviously not. Obviously not. <laughs> his, his name isn't it? Do you know what? I, I think it's time to, to, to give a Dundalk manager uh, the reins. We haven't really seen it, haven't we, since, since Stephen Kenny left. It's always been, um, even if Billy Peart was there, with John Gale by his side, um, and Alan Reynolds came in, Filippo um, uh, Giovanotti came in with Giuseppe Rossi, there's a two-man squad there, and now uh, Shane Keegan involved. So it's all it's always been a bit muddled, hasn't it, over the past couple of years. And look, giving Billy Peart uh, good control, here's another question for you, is it good, is it bad, you know? I know a lot of Dundalk fans, they'd be looking for someone that can have a bit of an aura about them in terms of, you know, we've heard stories of Vinnie Pearce falling out with, um, with some senior players in his first manager with spell at the club. That's not a great uh, asset to have, you know, it be, you must be falling out with Jimmy Gilton there if, if the relationship is, is sterile. And then it's all a relationship that even we were talking about when Vinnie Pearce went in, it's how the two of them work together and coexist and it, it's obviously something that isn't working out. So, yeah, I think the question around giving Billy Pearl control, going back to me, me, me point there, was um, his relationship with Bill Hulsover, you know, obviously Billy Pearl isn't going to be a man that, that, that's going to stand up to the board and, and going to question the decisions. Uh, I think that's something that some Dark fans will be looking for. But yeah, for me, I, I definitely do think it's time to, to give someone the sole reign um, as some Dark manager, whether you know, that being Billy Pearl. Um, Realistically, if I thought about Jim Gilson, you know, he, he left his football uh, director job uh, with the IFA, uh, he the sporting director job with Dundalk back in December 2020. You know, we, we obviously we said before, Jim from Bar and Shane Keegan and uh, Filippo left back in April. Hasn't done much though, has he? You know, he, he, his impact, I mean, uh, his managerial, uh, his interim managerial spell was very short. Um, even from the outside looking in, a lot, a lot of these uh, interviews, a lot of these press conferences didn't really strike me well. There was a lot of the blame game going off at that end as well, which it's always going to be disappointing to hear from a manager, no matter how bad things are going. But yeah, from, from behind the scenes in the background, um, and in fairness, I, I, I know a few of the Dundalk lads very, uh, you know, with a walk ahead in the game, it's very Dundalk centric. A lot of uh, most of the lads there were major Dundalk fans, but you know a lot about what goes on behind the scenes. and not to be calling them out of sources or anything, but you know, just, just chatting with, with mates and chatting with fellow League of Oil fans. And yeah, the name of Jimmy Gilton isn't really one that's been um, attached with great work being done behind the scenes at the dock. Yeah, but it's a four year deal that he got to come in and do a job. Now, you couldn't even credit him for the players that are brought in. Them players were in already, Nathan, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what was his role, I wonder? Yeah, there's nothing can point that like the, the official role or what he has now is sporting director, but it's, I'm not too sure what that's going to entail or what it hasn't entailed. Like you said, it's certainly not the recruitment side of things. Um, it's, it's not. He is a part of the coaching staff, but he, he wouldn't be a hands-on member of the coaching staff dealing with players um, as on, on a daily basis as much as as the. Vinnie Pearce or his coaching staff would be, yeah, it seems to be one that's definitely muddled. And, and looking at most, you know, if you even before we jumped on here, I'd like to get the gauge and reaction of how people, uh, the 
club fans are feeling about you know it's, it's different from most me and you coming on here from the outside looking in but uh, yeah even the, from dog fans it, it seems to be a, a similar sentiment that it's not going to be a man that's going to be missed nobody seems to really be sure uh, what why you came in the fourth stage or what you saw since you came in um, why you left the role uh, with the IFA which would have been a, a decent role of football director to, to come from dark and make such a very little impact as he did so Yes, it's definitely it is a strange one, isn't it? Because the same leaving the, the role in the OFA, the company from dark, and it's just something that hasn't seen to be walked out on all ends. You know, you, you, like you don't like talk about people personally, but anyone that's even even met him said it's just there's never been a click. There's never really been a, been a, been a, a click open all your parking with Jim and Jill's and um, yeah, definitely. I know the four year deal is definitely a strange one that you saw at the start of the season. The it is, going. Nathan, because so, so you, early into that, you know. Yeah, you you've got a, a a position, a job that has to be done that they're looking for someone to do. They've decided that that job is so important that they're going to give someone four years to work on that job. So they work. Get someone in, they get Jim a jail and take him out of a full-time job, bring him into another full-time job. And then within the very first year, there's discussions on how him, well, first of all, he took over as the manager of the team. Should that even have happened? Like, I mean, should that role have been there? Should he have took over? Should it not have been one of the assistants that took over? Is he not over the football, not looking to be in charge of the football? So that was the first question mark I had. Now, He's he's not getting on with Vinny Perth. That's fine because I don't think anyone in the club was getting on with Vinny. That's why he left in the first place. Now he's back. Yep. He's got results. He's obviously got a bit of freedom now to work with things. Jim Jilton probably doesn't like whatever freedom it is or, or uh, Vinny Perth's opinions, which seems very, very likely. But is his job not to be... He's an employee of the club, you know, get in, do yep. the job you're asked to do and work with the people that are around you. I, you know, I've, I've had many jobs. People listening to this will have, have had many jobs over their, their lifetime. Maybe a few people are in their first or second job, but you're going to meet people in your job that you don't get on with. You play football yep. with people that you don't get on with, but you get on with it. It's a team situation. You work together and you do the job. I I you don't all kinds of people you don't get on with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I don't tell them Nathan. <laughs> uh, no below <laughs> But I, so I don't. It, it seems very a very easy sort of lie down to just say, oh yeah, I don't get on with uh, Vinnie Perth. Mm. This is now allegedly I'm not. Uh, this is what has been written, and just to decide, uh, I'm I'm just going to go then. I mean. It, it it just baffles me that it, who whoever's running the club wouldn't say, listen, this is your job. I want you to do this job. Uh, Vinny, we've had a talk. What do you need if if that's the case? Uh, and, you know, work around and, and do the job that's asked of. It's, uh, it's, it's it just, it, it sounds like there's a bit of ego in this. Yeah, I think that's a good show as well. Because I think if you go back to... Uh, a couple of months ago, the, the managerial search at Dundalk went. It seemed to go on forever, didn't it? It seemed to go on far too long than, than what should have. And there was a plenty of candidates, you know, drawn to that, whether that be Jim McGuinness or um, David Healy, um, Jared Little at one stage. Uh, there were questions where a lot of them were, were Northern Ireland based. You look at Jim McGill's in relationship with the OFA, but any time you seem to be looking at reports, and that's all you've always reports of people coming in. It was seemingly like that Jimmy Jilton had a major say and a major sway over who was coming in. You know, we, we've seen people tone the job down, you know, because he didn't want to be walking under Jim or Jim, you know, pretty much didn't really want certain people coming into the club. So even for someone, like I said, uh, if it is an ego issue, somebody like that to have such a say on these big decisions as managerial role it seems a little bit every pay grade and it, it seems a little bit strange like said that the two of them can work together and coexist um, in, in different ends and different different uh, sides of the club and, and different you know like it's different if you know if I look if I talk about a manager and an assistant manager that are putting heads constantly day after day after day after day but 
like you were saying, that you're going to meet people in lines of work that's not going to go down. It's, it's just a natural, matter of fact, and it's just natural, but once you can be professional, uh, going about their daily tasks, and whether that be on you know, match days, or even during the week, you know, we, we see so much more we don't see uh, behind the scenes uh, from Monday to Fridays or whatever, whenever there's no games on. So, the fact that the two of them can't be caught together, I can't be professional for the better of the club. Yeah, I, I think actually, I never thought of it that way, but I think ego is a good word to put onto. Okay, we'll leave that one there. Um, Keith Long believes there's no reason why Georgie Kelly couldn't get into the Republic of Ireland squad. Nathan, for you, could he be someone who could make it into the squad and do something when he's in the squad? It's, it's all, isn't it always sort of, it's with a thought about League of Ireland players making the step up, you know? Like, a couple of years ago, I always thought it was strange the lack of goals how Patrick Hoban wasn't getting a look when he was a sweet scorer and as he was and coming in as, as a consistent top goal scorer or one of the top goal scorers in the league. I always thought it was strange how Hoban didn't. Like, you look here at, at, at the Coven Northern squad. Now, I know we're very, very early days into the English season and it's hard to see how it looks like Collins, Harris, uh, Lawn, Robinson, how these have got on this season. But surely, you know, you look at someone like George Kelly, who the top goal scorer in the Premier Division has played goals, even in the great European run, he, he chipped in with four goals as well. Um, on the European stage, it's, 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 there's a lot of players, probably most players in the current Doyle squad that aren't playing in any sort of European football. So I wouldn't knock the fact that, that he's, he's an Irish um, League of Ireland player. I'd like to see him get in. I think... I. Look, we were very critical of George Kelly at the start of the season and, and both we saw, you know, there's a lot of things he's doing wrong. But for me, over the past couple of months, he really has came through that and he really has become more of a complete striker. You know, you, you look at his movement has got better. His physicality, thankfully, has got better because he has all the attributes. That, that should be the main goal to in this game. His goal scoring ability. Uh, he's a player playing with confidence, you know, and I know he does, a lot of that has to come with the players around him. You know, there's a lot of talent in that whole team in the midfield, volume and then chances. But if you have a player like Georgie Kelly that's playing consistently, playing at, uh, well, he's playing at the top level in Irish football and he's playing regular, thankfully now, that he's playing regular European football, starting games, scoring goals. There's no reason why he shouldn't be in the conversation. And it, I suppose if you're trying to throw another caveat in, is Stephen Kenny knows the sort of player is that he is. And he knows the sort of character that he is in the dressing room too. You know, Stephen would have had George Kelly from his own dark days as well. Um, even when Stephen went into the job, a lot of me and you and a lot of other League of Ireland fans had high hopes that we, we'd see some League of Ireland names uh, into the Irish squad. Now, Jack Bourne is the obvious one. He well deserves it, but... Yeah, look, the, the striker position is one that pretty much since Robbie Kane has retired is something that Ireland have been badly struggling for. You know, we look at David McGoldrick as possible someone to come in, not to, not to the level of team, but they before his goals, but fortunately he decided to retire. Um, and I just think if you look at the current crop of Irish strikers that are playing over in England, you either, you know, they're playing in the lower leagues, they're, either, they're not playing at all, or the, the, the goals are simply aren't there. Like, again, I, I, I always come for the place of caution when asking me this question, you know, is it from a, a League of Ireland boys' point of view? But I think if you have a player like George Kelly that's playing as well as he is, playing consistently and scoring goals, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the conversation at least. Would Adam Eda score goals in the League of Ireland? Hey, you know what? I completely forgot about Adam Eda. I knew there was one strike. I, 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 so I, I was trying to rattle him off there a little bit. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of them, isn't it? It's, all hypothetical. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Um, My point is, is it but, because but it, it, is it because of the level that um, George Kelly's playing at? He's scoring goals. Okay, that's fine. He didn't start well at the start of the season, and that's no, fine. No. He scored. He, he scored 13 goals, I think, now, and is a four in in Europe in five games or four whatever Europe, it is. Yeah. But is he good enough? to play at the level that Adamida is over with Norwich City at the moment, as in to get game time in the Premier League? No, no, he's not, no. I, I, I wouldn't have been that. I, I just... So, do, he, so this, Realistically, this, this is, is, is the fourth season for George Kelly to be a, a main star at a club. You know, we've seen him at the dark. He was always, always coming off the bench. He was always second fiddle behind the likes of Hoban and, and uh, Dave McMillan. 
mm. went on long with Pats last season, just just didn't work out for one reason or another. It, it, the system didn't suit him. It, it was really really difficult to see, and we've seen that transition. I think I think that was I said it before. I think that was some of the issue why he did struggle at the start of the season with balls uh, dropping deep so much, finding himself out of position. Uh, confidence low as well too. So yeah, look, well, I would never at the moment I wouldn't have George Kelly as the Premier League player. If you, I just think if you look at the other options that are available in the Ireland squad, mm-hmm. uh, forgetting about Premier League uh, or, or, or league standards, I just think there's no reason when you have a striker like George Kelly that's playing consistently and scoring on a regular basis, not only in Ireland but in the European stage, it's it's, it's a better option uh, than some of the lads that we mentioned. You know, you, you look at a, a Troy Parrott is a name that always seemingly been thrown around, isn't he, as, as the next big answer. Yeah. He struggled. Obviously, look, Tottenham have played tough on the goal, but even when he went on loan, he, he got a struggle with injury, struggled to settle down. We're not saying that with George Kelly, we're saying consistency in this game, and I think consistency is such a big thing at club level uh, when it translates into international football. And I think, look, probably going back to the, into the European games, the European run that we, we find these three teams on, it, it will benefit your setup. You know, when you have players playing at the higher level, then. Because you're always going to get that thrown out, aren't you? Oh, League of Ireland, you know, it, 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 it's not a high level. Um, you look at it, you know, players playing the championship and players playing in the in the Premier League. But when you have these players playing on big European stages, it, it definitely sort of boosts, bolsters up uh, the conversation of having to look at George Kelly coming into the, into the Irish team. And what you said there is, I think, I definitely think that the European games are going to improve players. They're going to get more knowledge on how you know, more better experience. Uh, they they learn more about the game. You know, they, they have to do things quicker. They'll have to be sharper. They'll have to be stronger. They'll have to think more. You know, be clever uh, because that you know when you play in these European games, that's what you have to do. So they they learn more. It's a, it's a huge experience, as you said for, about George Kelly. He hasn't really been playing that much uh, over the the years. So this is really kind of his his first, well, I won't say his first real season because last year he was with Pats and he was kind of getting his chance there. So this is really where he's starting to burst onto the scene and he's got his, he's a, he's actually a lot more physical looking now than, he, than he's ever been. So uh, to give him all credit, he's he's definitely improving. He's definitely getting better. I think he's scoring goals. He scored goals in Europe, so you can't say anything, uh, t- too much about that. What I will say though is uh, I I. I just still think his his hold up play isn't good enough. I think he loses the ball an awful lot. The ball bounces off him quite a bit. I think if he if he if he turns himself into and you've seen it with Niall Quinn when he was younger, Niall Quinn turned himself his his touch was unbelievable. But only because he worked that he used to be muck when he was with Arsenal. His touch and everything was muck. He wasn't a, he wasn't that good of a player. But he worked hard all, time and time again. If he can turn himself into a focal point where you know they can work off him, and he, he, no matter what, if they, you know if there's one or two players around him that he'll hold it up, uh, bring others into the play more, and then be able to get himself into the box. I think, yeah, yes, can he do that? Y- yeah, he can do it. Is he doing it? I don't think he's doing it consistently well enough, and that's probably one of the reasons why I I, I don't know if he, I don't think he's at that level just yet. Is he worth a shout to go in and train with the squad? Yes, probably, yeah. No, you know, why not? Is he a starter? No, not for me. And uh, could he be on the bench to try and change things? I don't know. I think there's other people who are there who have experience around your squad that are developing as well. So I think he needs to do it for another year. I think if he does this year and then he's starting next year and he's, and he's doing the same job, I think it's a different conversation. I just think it's far too early for him at the moment. Do you think there's anybody else in the league? Striker wise, yeah, we could talk about this no, a lot. Of, to, to tell you, a lot of talent, talented defenders. To, uh, to tell you the truth, I don't think so. Know, We've had talk about com- uh, strikers before. They're, they're very hard to, to come across, aren't they? Yeah, big time. You know, I think it. it, it yeah, you look, look at a few like some of the other high school goal scorers, scorers this season. You know, like a Chris Lyons, um, Robbie Gaffney, Adam Foley, I think they're, they're the ones that behind uh, George Kelly in the, in the goal scoring rankings. Yes, there's, there's nobody else uh, that you can really listen to go into the Irish setup. The only reason I, I prefer George Kelly is that, you know, like you, you mentioned Adam Eder, you can throw out there into the conversation, uh, Robinson as well, Connolly. 
I just think that if you look at George Kelly, and it's probably another reason why I like James Collins coming in, even if it is only off the bench, is he offers that little bit of physicality as an out and out centre striker that the rest of them just don't really offer. Um, yeah, look, I'm not making the argument that George Kelly as a starter in the Irish setup, but yeah, mm-hmm. but for me, when you have a player that's, that's playing assist and sport on, on a good regular basis, there's no reason why he can't be in the conversation to absolutely. even make it into the, squ- into the squad. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, as you said, um, Keith Long answered that question he believes there's no reason why he can't he's going to say that anyhow because he's going to he wants to be positive around his player and listen there's no reason why Georgie Kelly couldn't go on and play for Ireland and you know uh, compete for a spot in there but he has to he's in the development stage now and I just think that he's at least a year behind see this time next year has the season gone and started well again because it's easy to have that one season where you're doing really really well can he go and start next season uh, from the cold back in again and can he start off where he's leaving off this year and really uh, kick on you know because there is there is something of a player in there in him you know but yeah I think there's still a lot to be fine tuned so okay we'll, we'll leave that one there uh, I'm sure people have their opinion and I, we really do want to hear your opinion so leave comments in uh, on a Facebook page or on the SoundCloud here uh, where, wherever you're listening to it do send on a message to us we'd love to hear what you have to think about that yeah. uh, Dawson Devoy got uh, player of the month Nathan what, what was your thoughts on that one yeah, spot on for me. Uh, definitely the 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 vote decision we looked for the candidates. Um, I think actually George Kelly came second in the vote, and didn't he? Mm-hmm. Same with George Kelly and uh, David Millen came fourth. Look, as a Pats fan, I was delighted to see Dara Bourne get mentioned. For me, uh, Dara is probably behind Dawson Devoy as the best young player in the league this season, going up performances. But yeah, even actually, was this episode of linking in very well. When we were talking about the, the lane scale, top hockey topic, I actually mentioned Dawson Devoy. I thought Dawson was the most exciting young talent in the league. And yeah, I, I really do, do think that, you know, only 19 years of age, just the maturity that he has as a midfielder, the playing position that he does, it's really to see, you know. I think sometimes it can be natural for a teenager to you know, try and impress, try, you know, show a bit of flair, what he can do going forward. But it's just such, such a, such a, just the, yeah, maturity to be using that word again. It's just great to see what he can do, you know, when playing again, regular European football. This is only going to uh, the stand him, really, you know, getting these big European nights under, under his belt as well. Uh, he, he, he's got a goal in the away leg in Stranan over in Iceland. Um, so, a big moment for him. And yeah, I, I think he deserved it. I have to be honest, I do think that he deserved to play a month of work. But like, he, he, he's definitely the standard player for me in the league. Okay, I won't give it with you. Okay, fans questions. Yeah, fan questions. Uh, get them into us always. If they're listening in, um, love having them. Get them into the big kickoff on social media. Uh, or if you want to, drop me a line, Nathan Doyle, and any social media pages. Um, yeah, just keep getting them in. We have a double whammy today uh, by Aaron Cattle. I think Aaron sent in questions before. It was definitely a name that landed there. Um, but we all, I think we'll enjoy this too. Uh, he starts off, all right, lads, any football and pet peeves you'd like to share? <sighs> oh, God. We've done something similar before, didn't we, with the, the unpopular opinions, but I think the pet peeve is a little bit different. I, I, I do like this sort of question. Okay, well, you, I'll let you go first on pet peeves, seems you, you, you have a more defined oh, look on it. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously going to have to set the ground work now, aren't I? Uh, well, pet peeve is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when I see this, um, do you know what? I think a lot of people talk about on-field stuff, but the one thing that, like, I'm from Bally Fermi, and apparently a lot of people in Bally Fermi through the 70s and 80s, and he probably walk into somebody playing League of Ireland football. At some stage, he could have played one game, he could have played 100 games, but someone play League of Ireland football and he tell you about it. And especially now since I started doing this, they'll be like, oh, I play League of Ireland, oh, yeah. yeah really. But, you know, like, if you're chatting to them, and some of those stories are great, you know, they tell you about the games they played in, but, but then you sit down and someone else comes over. And just, for example, I'd be talking to Roy Shanahan, former uh, League of Ireland player. And someone come over and say, oh, did you see Roy over there? Like, yeah, yeah. Do you know his brother? Oh, you should have seen his brother play football. Oh, his brother was... He, he was nearly better than Roy. But you know what? 
the drink got him. The drink got him. <laughs> and, oh, Jay, the second. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I, I really don't. And I said it before, my heart goes out to anyone that has struggled with addiction, this and that. But I've generally had someone say before, like, oh, Royce, but like, Jesus, just just get him on the podcast. He'll have, he'll be able to talk to you. He'll be football. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, it, 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 I want to talk to his brother. I want to talk to Royce. Because he's the one that played football. He's the one that, you know, that's just stayed on the path and stayed, you know, focused and dedicated to what he's doing. And I'm sure we thought I was a great footballer, but we never played the League of Ireland. So, yeah, I, I think it is sort of a, a location issue for me uh, being a body player. Man. I think that's, yeah. I think, I don't think you're wrong, Nathan. I think uh, there's a lot of people who could have been a, a great footballer. Yeah, I, just, I, and I just don't care. And didn't make it. Um, but I suppose if you, if you really think about it, I'm going to have to sort of back it up a little bit. Um, each club, no matter what, if, if it's, you know, Cabinteely or Shelbourne or if you go to like some Minute Town or whoever it is, Eden Derry or whatever, they all have their local legends. So no matter what, if they're, if they're uh, you know, Cork City legend or a Shamrock Rovers legend, there'll always be an Eden Derry legend, and I think I think it's okay to talk about those players. I think it's okay to say, listen, they had a great team back then because it's an identity. And I said I'm probably saying this from a Luke and United sort of thing because when you when 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 you play football for a club that you love, then you also are I suppose love. The, the players and the people around that club and the legend uh, as in there's always a couple of players who uh, who you know drove a team on or what or whatever it was it might be you know someone from you know Sheriff Street or uh, you know Crumlin or whoever it is Malahide uh, who who drove that team on to the the FAI Junior Cup or whatever it is so. <laughs> I, I'm not a lot too of players I, good enough. Good enough would have would have went on and played league for it. But the one I'm holding in on is the one the self destructive lads, you know, that went on. And yeah, I know. And, <laughs> they normally do have good stories around them, though, Nathan. Yeah, but it all includes in it all ends in. Oh, but then I missed the match because I woke up drunk. You know, like, well, fucking, that's not used to anybody. No, it's as, not. As it's not. As as you want and. Like I said, you know, it's probably some people probably listening and saying, this is a bit harsh. But it's just, it, it was at a stage that, it was, especially before COVID, and when I started doing stuff with you and the writing and it's heavy. Like, oh, he'll have a story to tell you. Oh, and he'd know you would. You'd go over and chat and, like, oh, did you play League of Ireland? Yeah, yeah, I played for it with Shamrock Rovers. So I got fucked out after a month. Uh, I was showing up kids. Well, Nathan, how boring would a pub be if you didn't have those people in it? Everyone would be no, just sitting, to be all sitting around talking about VAR all the time. You know, it's nice to have that no, fella who gives you that little bit of bullshit. Or you know, I, I enjoy that. I think that that that's great. That's that's part of the crack uh, that you have. No, so. no, Jesus, I, 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 I'm definitely someone that's better on record. I think even before that, uh, you can never get a, an interesting story out of a non-drinker. <laughs> it just don't happen. No, no story, no good story ends it. And then I went home. It's never going to end that way. Really. No. I just think, I, again, I think it's personalised because every time I see the talk to people, it's, oh, I have a story for your little show. You can put me on. <laughs> yeah, well, I can understand that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I do, I do. Yeah, I, that's, that's my own little personal one. I do think that it's more so the people who are around this person who are building them up more and more uh, all yeah. the time who, who make him out to be you know messy of you know uh, mm. the Bally Fair messy or whatever it is yeah <laughs> so uh, okay I, I'll, I'll let you away with it but I don't totally agree with it I, I, I can understand your individual frustrations <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let, let me piss all over yours now oh well I, I see I don't really have a pet peeve I wasn't sure what, what how you were going to define pet peeve but I, I, this is not this is not this is the latest one that I've seen it happened tonight in the, the Chelsea against Villarreal game and it's tackling and uh, there was a challenge put in I don't know if you've seen it uh, Nathan yeah the, the Rudiger challenge the Rudiger challenge and I thought I thought it was a brilliant tackle. 
He yeah. flew in yeah. full-hearted, uh, got the ball, and the player was coming in soft. And we were always told, if you're going in for a tackle, you make sure you go in hard, because if you don't go in hard, you're going to get hurt. Your man goes in soft. Rudiger goes straight through him, wins the ball, goes through him because that's what happens when momentum, when you're doing a slide tackle, you go through players. And then the referee, and the referee got influenced, by the way. That could be another pet peeve. Referee got influenced. He wasn't going to do that. And then he decided to give him a yellow card. Now, the reason why, I'm, this is not a, a Premier League thing, right? This is football in general now. Now it's gone too bloody soft. And people are getting upset, as, as people do now. This is the, the, as I say, the snowflake generation. It definitely is. They're gone softer now. And football has gone to a point now where you can't, there's no contact allowed now anymore. And people are patting people on the back for diving and winning penalties and, you know, falling over. And, yet, you know, I, I don't know. That annoys me. So it's more of a, a, a pet annoyance than a, a pet peeve, maybe. But oh, it drives me mad. And it's, it, it's nearly driving me away from football. And uh, we'll come back on another day where they're talking about uh, banning heading from football uh, that's another thing that's really annoying me but that, we'll come back to that again another day because that's a different <laughs> thing uh, I know your second question Nathan because your second question is the best badge in the league so I'm going to go with you on yeah. that one as well uh, obviously you can't pick St. Patrick's Athletics so uh, who else is there? Yeah um, I think it was a little bit wasn't it like I actually have a pop top on me now with the foil the foil <laughs> like 80% of my wardrobe is probably football gear and about 40% of that as well, Patsker. And I was just, I think just sitting here just looking at the chest, like, that's a decent little clip, you know? So I'm looking <laughs> at the other ones. Um, but I do, I, yeah, I, I do like the, the Colin Pats one. Uh, Without looking, Nathan, what year is on it? Uh, 1929. Ah, you, look, you looked. Good lad, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually surprised, I was surprised it took me that long, Jesus. Uh, I'm actually glad I got a rise because you would have had to order that in. <laughs> Let's work for you. Uh, I don't, you know what? I, I think the, the Bohemians one, it's actually a very, very bold, heavy show. Tonight. I think the Bohemians one is, is fairly iconic, isn't it? When you're talking about League of Ireland and badges, so you, you, you probably chose Shamrock Rovers into that one as well. But yeah, for me, it just, it's, it's, I like to answer this question as the force that comes into my head, and obviously behind Pats. I think the Bowls one is the force that jumps into my head in terms of a nice looking badge, and it, it does what it achieves. There's a lot of badges in the league that are, um, they're just so just yeah, they're fine. You know, they're, they're average badges. Where yeah, for me, if you look at the, the Bohemians, one, especially now with, with the the writing over the top, the, the anniversary writing, the one that they have this season, even, even away from that, yeah, it's a my like, kind of badge. I think when you're talking about League of Ireland crest. Yeah, there's a, some of them just look like the town badge. Like I mean, Longford. Yeah, Longford just looks like it was a badge of the town years ago and it's just and that's there's nothing wrong with that I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with it but it's it, it, I don't know it, does, it, it doesn't look like a football badge to me it just looks like uh, uh, Dundalk's looks like a family crest so I'm not really uh, I'm not I'm not really to you know one of those things so I'm not really up with that Um my one is probably uh, and it's probably because they're striped but Derry City is nice simple Red and white stripes, uh, Derry City Football Club in the middle, football, boom, bash, there you go. No messing about. Uh, I, I am a Lucan United man, so they are red and white, So and they are stripes <laughs> as well, so that may be the hint of uh, why I like that. I do like bows because the colours and bows, black and red, always go with each other yeah. really, really well. Um, I'll tell you who's not oh, bad, City. though. Cork, Cork. Cork, yeah, I like I like Corks. Yeah, no, it is. There's 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 the the three ships are there's something about that. Um, yeah, it's nice. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't fault it really. Wexford is the probably freshest though, isn't it? It's like fresh in terms of you like like the look of it. Yeah, like I mean the, the, the yeah I think it's it's. It's it's different. Like it's not buildings and fucking seagulls and stuff like that. It's you know boats and, and there's a you know bull on the front there, ready to go, ready oh, to go. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, uh, it's just even the font for Wexford, uh, the Wexford Football Club. But I just think it looks a little bit different. You know, uh, no, they could do a football team to go along with the badge, but you know we'll start. They'll start with the badge. Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for. 
serious like a Mick Wallace in that badge on my life. Yeah, if they could incorporate Mick Wallace and just in the background the way both had uh, Bob Marley in that jersey that they never got missed. Yeah. I think yeah, I think we'd be talking then. <laughs> um, but really and truly, I suppose a badge is a badge, isn't it? It's it's, it's your club's badge, so it doesn't really make a difference on, on the thing. But uh, De- yeah. De- Derry City for me, just because it's red and white stripes, it's I suppose nice, neat and tidy, and nothing too complicated. I, I prefer those kind of things. So uh, that's it for me, Nathan. Uh, we're gonna leave it there. Thanks very much. Uh, the League of Ireland Sports Bar will be on Friday night, and of course, uh, we will. We're talking and discussing and, and changing that into a Monday night, so we'll keep you in touch with that. Nathan, thanks very much for your time and uh, everyone who's listened to our nonsense for this past, Jesus, like nearly an hour. Uh, thanks very much as well.